The letter to the Ephesians is packed with truths because it is so important to understand and remember what God is telling us in this book. We will be doing chapter summaries at the end of each chapter. Today on Drawing Near, we look back at what we've learned in chapter 1. So open your Bibles and join us for Ephesians 1, our review. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we desire so much to know your word, not just to have read it or been exposed to it, but to truly know it, to allow it to convict us and inform us, to guide us in our daily lives. Father, we know that involves studying differently, more deeply, but it also involves, Father, the work of your Holy Spirit moving and touching, guiding, causing us to recall the things that we have studied. Help us to do the work on our part that we may study to show ourselves approved workmen unto God who need not be ashamed, but who can rightly divide the word of truth or rightly utilize the word of truth. Father, do this in our hearts and lives. Help us to grow. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, the Bible is studied in several ways, and each of those ways has a unique focus and result. In the first way we study or read the Bible, we simply worship. I call this devotional reading or devotional study. We read the scripture, we pause over things that draw our attention, and God speaks to our hearts and to our minds. And we are involved in devotional worshiping as we read. But the second way is we study God's word a little slower, a little more deliberately, and we learn and we grow. God's word becomes more familiar to us. The passages that we've read stick because we've taken the time to kind of slow down and pour over them. The third way is we study and grow deeper. It's where we look at words and we look at thoughts and phrases and we ask questions of God's word and we dig, we labor over the Bible. The fourth way is we study more. Did you hear that? We worship, we learn, we study, we study more. And this is, in my mind, we study more so that we may teach. Maybe we're in a, a Bible study class or Sunday school class. We're responsible for either sharing information or we're the main person responsible for teaching. So we memorize and we outline and we deliberately try to make sense of each letter or book that we study. The fifth way is we study that we may know. You can teach without really knowing intimately the Word of God. And I think ultimately that should be our desire, that we know that the Word of God is a part of us. Wherever we go, the Holy Spirit can readily recall the scriptures that we've studied. And that takes a lot of time. That takes Studying a book, studying a letter, and then studying it again and growing deeper. The main key to go from the first way we study to the last way we may study and know is repetition. And most people, when it comes to God's Word, do not like repetition. 
We act like we have attention deficit disorder with the Bible. We just want to go, 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 go. What's the next book? Let's get through as much of it as possible. When in fact, what we should want to do is slow down, and instead of getting into God's Word as much as possible, we want God's Word to get into us as much as possible. So we need to slow down, go deeper, and learn. And that's part of what we're doing as we do the chapter reviews. We are putting God's Word into our long-term memory. So I would suggest that you get ready. There's a lot here. Feel free to pause, review, take notes, whatever it takes to learn. The first thing we see here is that Paul writes to the saints at Ephesus. He begins this letter by praising the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason for this? Because God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he chose us before the foundation of the world. He did that so that we might be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined us to the adoption as sons to himself. It pleased him to do this. He did this according to the good pleasure of his will. And this results in the glory of his grace. Why glorify his grace? Because it is by his grace that we have been made acceptable. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, according to the richness of his grace, which all of this is done to the glory of his grace, which he made to abound toward us. He made his grace abound toward us in all wisdom and enlightenment. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, because it pleased him to make this known to us. The mystery of his will is that he is gathering all things together into one, both in heaven and on earth. The Jews, the Gentiles, heaven and earth, all things are going to be brought back into one unit, one unified group, honoring God, glorifying him in Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, We have obtained an inheritance, and that we have heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and have believed. And then finally he says, We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is our guarantee of our inheritance until the day we enter into glory. Now pause. He has blessed us. He chose us. He predestined us. He has redeemed us through the blood of Jesus and forgiven our sins. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. He has given us an inheritance in Christ. And he has proclaimed the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, so that we have faith and we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's an amazing list. And all of this is the result, we learn, of being in him or in Christ. Eight times in these first few verses, we are told in him or in Christ or by Christ. And twice we are told that he's done this for God's glory. And twice he has said it pleased him to do all of this. He did this according to the purpose of his will. 
we ought to bless the Lord. We ought to worship him because of all the marvelous things he has done. And he has done this toward us in Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross? He made all of this a part of our lives, a part of the lives of those who trusted Jesus. That's Paul's introduction. Then he talks of his prayer for the Ephesian saints. What does he say? He said, first of all, that he heard of their faith in the Lord and their love for the saints. And because of that, he faithfully remembers them in prayer, giving thanks always. And then he tells what he prays for. He desires the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the second time he's called God the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He desires the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give the Ephesian saints the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, so that their understanding, the eyes of their understanding, might be enlightened. He wants their eyes opened so that they may know the hope of the calling that is in Christ Jesus, the riches of the glory of his inheritance. What is our hope of the calling of Christ? Our hope is that we have the riches of a glorious inheritance waiting for those who trust in him. He also wants the Ephesian saints to know the exceeding greatness of God's power toward all who believe. It's his mighty power which he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead, seating him at the right hand of the Father, which is far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And having raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father, he has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. He gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him. The church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. Did I say that the first chapter was packed with truths? What do you want to meditate on first? (laughs) The depth of this letter is phenomenal. I strongly encourage you to take your Bibles, take a pencil or a pen and a notebook, and write down all of these things. Review them. Study them. Think on them. Notice how many times he says in him, or he talks about glory, or he talks about his grace. What did he do by his power? What did it please God to do? This is how we not only worship more deeply and more richly, but we come to know these truths for ourselves. They become imprinted on our hearts and on our minds, and we are able to testify and share and teach. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells the readers, by this time you ought to be 
teachers, but instead I have to continually feed you the milk of the word. Folks, Ephesians chapter 1 is meat. And we need to eat. We need to feast on the truth of God's word. I pray that you will give yourself to do that. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace that has given us your word, along with all the other blessings that we've just mentioned in this chapter. And I pray, Father, that you would give us an appetite, a hunger for your word, that we may feast on the rich truths, the meaty truths of your word, and grow and become teachers and witnesses to these truths to those around us. Oh, Father, speak to our hearts and our minds. Work in us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we may fully embrace all that you have given to us. Watch over your people. Protect them and provide for them. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page, Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.